Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. It's your girl, Sonya McQueen, with your mind, your body, your choice. All right, happy November 1st. This year, blinked twice and got in the passing lane and just left us all behind. I don't know what happened. Um, had my 53rd birthday, which I am grateful for, but... Dang, I really didn't get to enjoy 52 or 51 because the days just seem to be going so much faster. But I digress, as I always do. I want to talk to you guys about um, faking it. Fake it till you make it. And I don't care what area you can apply this in, but I'm sure all of us have faked it. I used to be the queen of faking happiness. Some people fake like they're mad when they're really not just to get some attention. Fake sick. You know, you, you don't want to go to work, so now you're playing like you're sick. Faking through the, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with your mate to hurry up and end that. <laughs> All of us, in one way or another, fake it. Uh, pretend like you've done your homework when you know you haven't, but you are sitting in class acting like you know what's going on. Um, fake it till you make it, but always faking isn't until you make it. Sometimes faking can be a cry out for help. Um, I remember, and I believe I've spoke to you guys more than once about this, but when I had given up my son for adoption, he wasn't even two years old when... Uh, his father reached out to the adoption agency and we were told he was deceased. And that was a really hard time for me and I didn't fake it like it wasn't a hard time. People just didn't know what was going on in my life at the time. And it was years later when I wrote my first book, Vanessa's Choice, when I found out he wasn't deceased but had been alive for the 14 years since I thought he was deceased. Then I went through my really fake it till I could make it stage. I honestly believe I had a mental breakdown. I, I was highly depressed. I didn't know all these things at the time. Borderline suicidal. But I would go to church and I would smile and hug and, and laugh. And, but on the inside, I was crying and I, I needed something. And I'd get home and, and friends would reach out to me and, and didn't know what was going on with me but wanted to be there for me and I would push them away. And I would be mean and nasty just to make sure they stayed away and it worked. Of course, I had kids in the house still. I had two daughters so I had to fake it with them, be the best mom, you know, smile, laugh play games, go on our date nights, um, have our theme nights, and but my heart wasn't in it. I was faking it, but I made it. I don't know how I made it, but the grace of God, but I made it. Sometimes people fake so long that it becomes their reality. You know, I, it, it, one thing has nothing to do with another, but let's go with the... Um, um, you guys know I don't always remember what I want to talk about, but you know when somebody kidnaps somebody else, I'll think of the name of it in the middle of this podcast, 
and they start forming them into the person they want them to. And at first, that, that kidnapped person is defiant. They're mad. They're angry. They're scared. They're fearful for their life. And all they want to do is escape and get back to their home, their family, their loved ones. But after a while, that kidnapper convinces that person, this is where you need to be. Now, sometimes they're not convinced. They know this isn't where they want to be, but they're going to fake like they believe this is where they're supposed to be. They're going to fake it so that they can make it. You know, I've always thought if somebody was sly enough to kidnap me, they would return me. Um, but let's just pretend they don't return me and they just want to... I would fake like, thank you for taking me out of that situation. I would fake like I was so happy, like, where have you been? I've been waiting for you to kidnap me, kidnapper. That's what I think I would do, you know, to make them think, oh, man, she's down for this. Okay, okay, she wasn't happy in her life, and I, I saved her. I think I would fake I wouldn't act a fool. I wouldn't curse and try to fight and do all that. Nope, not doing it. I, I've always wondered why people do that when they're already in a dire situation by making it worse. But I think I would fake gladness that I was kidnapped by the monster, monsters, just so that they would feel comfortable enough to let their guard down now. Maybe that's a well-known trick and they wouldn't be fooled. I don't know, but it's a situation I think I would fake it. So I want to give you a story that came to me and um, this is somebody who I don't believe she understands she's faking it. She's faking it until she makes it, if she makes it. So I got a, a message, it's probably been a month now, from a young lady who, um, her husband is very abusive, um, mentally and emotionally and financially abusive. So, you know, she's a, a, she's a bit overweight, so you know he does the fat, nobody wants you, nobody's ever going to want you. This, he's messing with her emotionally, right? Then he didn't want her to work, so she doesn't work. She's a stay-at-home wife. They don't have kids. But then it's, how much are you spending at the grocery store? I need to see the receipts. He wants to make sure she's not enjoying herself. She said one day she um, got herself something to eat. She had been out shopping she was hungry. She left the house, hadn't eaten. I've been there, done that. And when the money didn't add up because he wanted to see the receipt at the end of the day when she shopped, he realized it was a few dollars off. She was like, oh yeah, I stopped at, um, I think it was Burger King. I stopped at Burger King and got a, a burger and a small fry and he droned on and on and on. And so at first she was just like, I'm over this, you know, I'm over this. And I've known her for a long time. 
I'm over this. He's always tripping off of money and, and this, and I can't spend $2 on myself and I don't get my hair done. I don't get my nails done. And I, I don't buy new clothes. And I, I'm always walking around in moo-moos and stuff because, you know, he talks about my weight so bad. So she reached out to me about a month ago and she was giving me a scenario. But after the scenario, she put LOL. So I had to go back and read it a few times because I couldn't find the LOL. What, what's so funny about this situation? This man has just outright disrespected you, talked to you crazy, and you're putting LOL? So it was a head scratcher for a second. So um, I waited because, as I've said a million times, I'm a texter. I'm not a talker. And I knew that this was something I needed to speak to her about. So I called her. And she didn't answer, but she called me back two days later and was telling me, yeah, um, I'm going to make up a name, but Mark, Mark had my phone. Um, he was going through my call log. He's something else, you know. He would think I'd cheat on him, L, you know, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Then I went back over. So when you sent me this text, read it to her, you put LOL. Yeah, because he's so crazy, you know. He's so jealous, and I could hear the giddiness in her voice. And I'm thinking, no, this, this is crazy. What he's doing is emotionally abusing you. Now you think it's funny that he doesn't allow you to get clothes and stuff because you think he's just jealous and you think that's cute. But a year or so ago, you knew it wasn't cute and that this was some kind of, of abuse. And you think it's a jealousy cute thing that he wants to take your phone and keep it for days while he looks through it. And you think that it's okay that he's doing these things where you can't go places like taking the keys and not allowing you to go unless he knows exactly where you're going and you're on a time. But she faked it so long with him. Now she just thinks she's making it and she thinks everything is okay. And maybe that is Stockholm. Uh, I remember Stockholm syndrome. Ha! Maybe that's Stockholm syndrome. She is now um understanding she thinks why her husband is the way he is and she is embracing it and believe me i'm on my own business to a certain extent but i just let her know my dear you're tripping i need you to remember a year ago when the exact same things were happening how you would call me crying and all to pieces and and I would tell you, you know, hey, you're in this marriage now. So either A, go to marriage counseling or B, have it annulled because it's new. It's new. And he didn't act like this the whole year and a half y'all dated. He didn't act anything like this. He was the perfect mate complimenting you, loving on you, loving your thickness, as you call it, fluffiness. He loved it. But when y'all got married, all bets were off. He became a different person, almost a monster to you. And now fast forward a little over a, almost a year, almost a year. No, it's it. I guess she couldn't have had it at all because it was more than a year. But now you key he in it. You think it's cute and funny and it's not. This can mean 
life or death. This can mean depression or not. But right now, you've moved into mentally a totally different phase where you're accepting and now you're acting happy. And I really believe she's faking it so she can make it. For some reason, divorce is off the table, okay. I would never tell somebody to divorce, but I would tell them to choose life and happiness in themselves. I had a boyfriend and before I met my husband, I remember um, this guy we dated when I lived in Missouri and extremely handsome um, guy, personality beamed. But once we got serious, serious, he would do things like I had just got my hair done and he threw water on me and I was steaming hot. And he almost looked at me like, do something, say something, I dare you. So I just told him, you're going to pay for this. I just paid $65 to get my hair done. You're going to pay for this. He told me to shut up. And the day went on. You know, we were out of town, actually. I, I got it done to get go out of town. But the day went on, and eventually, you know, he was like, uh, he was going to pay to get my hair done. And he did give me the money. But it was just little things like that he would do. Just little bitty things. And, you know, we broke up because I am pretty much no nonsense. And I, I was shocked later to look at back, back at some of the things he did that I didn't walk away from. Like we went into a grocery store one time and the cashier, he was flirting with her in front of my face and asked for her phone number. And when we got out to my car, I told him, listen, homeboy, <laughs> you know, we can be cool as hell for the rest of our lives, but you ain't never going to disrespect me. So you go ahead and call her. And he went off on me and told me he was doing me a favor, going to see if he could get me a hookup. <laughs> For food stamps, since I don't have food stamps. And he figured since she worked in a grocery store, he could, you know, um, call her and, and find out who he can buy food stamps for me for her. So anyway, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm not new. I'm not smelling of Similac. So I'm looking at him sideways. But for some reason, before the night was over, I forgave him. I forgave him. You know, or the time... He, um, it, it, it goes on and on. I don't have to keep giving you examples, but the thing is mentally I made excuses for that because in other areas, he was so awesome. He was so awesome that I would make excuses for those little things, but he was extremely controlling. And if you know me, it, it's, it, <laughs> it would be hard pressed to control me. It would be damn near impossible to control me. So the relationship ended and eventually I moved to Florida and he sent for me when I lived in Florida and he was just once again the best dude you could ever imagine. I was there with him for four whole days in his place and it was just beautiful. But when I came home, even then I thought about some things that happened such as it was Thanksgiving when he sent for me. It was Thanksgiving or Christmas and he said he'd be back. He was going to go have, um, he had already set up to have this dinner. And there was no, do you want to come? It was, I'll be back. But it was at his ex-wife's house because their kids would be there. 
And that was maybe seven in the evening he left me at his house and he didn't come in until one or two in the morning. All right, that's a red flag. And then the next day, he had to go run and do something with his son. And he was gone once again for several hours. But when he came back, we had went out and um, his son had called him. And he was talking to his son. His son was like, hey, Pop, we've got to get together, blah, blah, blah. And it led me to believe he didn't see his son that day. So little things that are really big things that I'm not oblivious to. But I had a good time with him. My whole point is when I got back, I was thinking, man, you know, this man has his faults. But he loves me. And I might have to settle because he was asking me then to, to stay. And that um, he wanted me to move down there and be with him. And he was talking marriage and all this stuff. And I was thinking, man, I don't love him. I don't love him. I'm attracted to him. I'm attracted, greatly attracted to him. But I might have to settle because I don't think I can love anybody. I, I was thinking about it. I couldn't think of one time I was in love. I love people. I'll say I love you. But I had never been in love and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to have to settle for somebody who loves me. And, and he's easy on the eyes. And, you know, he's doing well for himself. So I might have to settle. But, you know, God intervened. And he didn't want me to settle. And that's when he introduced my husband into my life. So I didn't have to settle. But I promise you guys, if that wouldn't have happened, I might have moved to where he was. And he might have been able to be that guy for X amount of time. But then I would have been stuck. And he eventually would have became the real him. And then throwing the water on me and disappearing for hours. And it wouldn't have worked well for me. And my personality, I know me. I, I think I said this before, but something really crazy about me and I know it's not normal, and it's not a bragging point, but I don't get scared. I get scared when I see like something run across my feet or when I first moved to Florida seeing these lizards everywhere. I was running faster than they were running to get away from them. I'm not scared of them anymore, but, you know, things like that are different. Or when I walk through the house and I see somebody just move in front of me, I scream and throw everything. Of course I'm scared, but I'm talking about when somebody is bullying me or in my face. I don't care, man, woman, child, two of you, three of you, four of you. I don't get that feeling of fear where other people, you know, they would start backpedaling or if if they've done something wrong or trying to escape or, you know, cry or whatever. I don't get that. I immediately think if it's on, it's on. It's on and popping. Um, so I know I wouldn't have backed down from him. And God only knows where that would have led. So my whole point with that is I could have been in a fake it till I make it. Or I could have been gone. You just never know when intervention comes in. Um, the blessing it's bringing to your life. And I hope that made sense. But like I said, God intervened and brought me somebody who is strong like me and capable but mentally emotionally physically financially loving 
He would never put his hands on me, so I don't ever have to worry about going to prison or to the morgue. You know, he he doesn't speak to me out of character. He doesn't treat me out of character. I make good money. He makes good money. Together we put our money together, and we live a great life. You know, but it could have been so much different. It could have been. So back to when I did fake it. Till I made it, and I did make it, thank God. You know, finding out my son was alive, it, it, it's embarrassing to say, but I've said it before, so I can say it again. I almost at the time wished he wouldn't have been alive because it would have meant that I didn't miss out on almost 16 years of his life. And it would have meant that all the things I said before and did weren't in vain. Even my book. My book was dealing with the death of my son. All the stuff I did before the pregnancy, during the pregnancy, after the pregnancy, after giving up my son for adoption. All the things I did that didn't include him. How my life went on. And here he was just... So many states away, living his life, not knowing I even existed because their letters were going unanswered. So after that information, of course, I faked it. I faked the smiles, but every single night I cried myself to sleep. I even wished a few times I, I was dead so I wouldn't have to deal with the ahas and the side looks. And I don't mean from the general public. I mean from my own family. I mean from my own family. And I can't even begin to tell you guys how long I faked it. As a matter of fact, every once in a while still now, I think about all the times I missed, even though he's here now. You know, he and I don't mean literally here at my house, but, you know, he calls me mom. We talk... We have a group chat, me and my kids, and we talk every day. And he comes to visit a couple of times a year. And, you know, we're, we're close. And it's almost like he was always there, but he wasn't. And there was a long period of time, you guys, I had to fake it. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to fake it. You can have your real emotions and get the real help and be surrounded by the real people and get the real love you need. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to be in a bad relationship and pretend like you're not. Say what it is. This is a bad damn relationship and I need to save me. You can be unhappy with your job and be mistreated and go look for another one. Don't make excuses to stay somewhere where you know that you're being mistreated. Hell, half the people at the Brower <laughs> County Department of Health are being mistreated. And they make excuses. I, I have a friend. I'm not going to say where he works, but he's so unhappy. And everybody who works with him and around him is so unhappy. And I hear it and I hear it. So I found him another job making $20,000 more. And guess what? He's scared to leave this job that treats him so bad. Maybe that's Stockholm Syndrome too. 
but he's so scared. He went and interviewed and they offered him the job making $20,000 more annually. And he called me and said, I hate my job, but I don't know if I leave, you know, I got people who report to me and what that's, what's that going to do to them? And if I leave this and if I leave that and my benefits and I said, do what you got to do, partner. Do what you got to do. I, I just put it out there for you. Either take it or don't. He decided not to take it. And guess what he did the very, I promise you, the very next day. Called me on 10. So upset about his job and the people he works with and upper management. And I just said, I hear you. Everything I, I hear you. I hear you. Because before that point, I was a sounding board. And before that point, it was, let me see what I can do to help you. I'm his listening ear. I'm praying with him. I'm talking with him. I'm, I'm calming him. I'm calming his lady. You know, just having real conversations because I used to work there. And so I know the temperature. I know how people get treated. I just decided to go somewhere else and did. Period. But because I do all that, I went out of my way to help him find something else and I was successful. And when I tell you this job would have gave him so many more rewards and he still would have had great benefits with more money. But the crazy thing is he would have been up in upper management and he would have been able to make differences at this place. But he chose to stay where he's being constantly berated and mistreated. Talk too crazy, goes home unhappy, where he used to be a very happy person. Him and his fiance boy, I mean, just, but now they argue all the time. And I told him the stress from this job, you bring it home and you share it with your fiance in a way where it's negatively impact. You're not speaking to her about what's going on. You're taking out your frustrations on her because you don't want to do it at the job. I gave him an out. He chose to choose door A again instead of going to the new door B. And so now it's on him because what I'm not going to do is keep sucking up his negative energy and trying to form it into something positive and give it back to him because now he's choosing, not like he wasn't choosing before, but before he didn't really have an out, but he had an out. And he chose to shut that door and go back to A. And so now it's a, I'm not going to ignore him, but I'm going to just say, man, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm going to be an ear and not so much of a mouth. And eventually he's going to have to either make the hard decision. Cause I did tell him at one point, you're going to have to stop bringing that to your girl. You know, you, you guys been together for a decade and now all of a sudden you're on the outs and you got to realize it's because of this job. But once again, he goes to work and he fakes happy. But he goes home and he's mad for real. But he's displacing his anger on somebody who really loves him and cares about him. And eventually that's not going to work for her. And he's going to lose 
because he's choosing somewhere where he's not appreciated. So is that you? You know, are you choosing to fake happy to make somebody else happy? Are you choosing to fake happy to make somebody else money? Are you choosing to fake happy because you don't know any other way to be? You don't have to. There's so many resources these days. If it's your job, actively look for a new one. And when you get an offer, don't turn it down because you're scared of the repercussions. You're leaving. <laughs> there are no repercussions. You're leaving. And if you, I'm telling you, when I left my last job, they crumbled. And I'm not saying that because I'm so proud and I'm over here, you know, doing my sea walk. No. They crumbled because I was a hell of an excellent worker. I am a director. I've got managers under me and I'm managing those managers so they can be the best managers to manage their supervisors. And those supervisors are the best supervisors to manage their teams. And I had that. And we all got along great because when it's time to discipline, I do it. And they understand why I'm doing it. But I also was fun, gregarious, loving, caring. I knew the balance and they came to work happily. People came to work early, left late, didn't want to take their lunch breaks because they loved coming to where they were. But when I left, that team of 46 I had became a team of 40 because instantly five people gave their resignations. Within a month, 10 more people by the first six months, that team of 46 was down to 12. When you mistreat people and you have a filter at the top that's absorbing, I was a sponge, absorbing all of that and letting the uppers know, you're not going to treat my team like this. There's no way in hell. There's no way. And I would stand up for people. Uh, what happened? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to talk to her like that. And I didn't do it out in the open to where the people under me would laugh and be like, oh, Miss Sonia told them, no, I'm coming to your office. I will go to my office, uh, my boss's office and shut the door and say, hey, what's going on with you walk through my my unit and didn't speak to anybody? I don't have to speak to them. Oh, but you do. See, because you're the boss boss. And when you walk through with an attitude, it changes their perspective on their job and it changes their attitude. I, I had no problem going to him and telling him what was on my mind. He didn't know what to do with that because nobody else he that reported to him, none of the other directors did that. I'm that girl. You're not going to mistreat me. and You're not going to mistreat people who report to me because they look up to me to protect them. So when I left, they didn't have that protection anymore. And people who were fighting to get my position who got it didn't protect them. As a matter of fact, they're quick to throw you under the bus. How many of you know somebody who any chance they get, they want to make other people look bad so that they can look good? But common sense doesn't tell them if somebody's reporting to you and you're trying to make them look bad to hold them down because you don't want to show how great they look, makes you look incompetent. So... I bragged on my team how awesome they were, what a great job they were doing. You know why? Because number one, it was true. But number two, it also made me look like a great leader 
Great leaders breathe greatness in the people that they're leading. That way, when I step out of the way, easily one of my managers could have taken my job. And I made that clear. If anything ever happens to me, Rudy or Jamira could take this job easily. They know my job. I make sure they know my job. And I didn't try to hide that. But what happened when I left, they put somebody in place who really wanted my job that every chance she got, she went to the boss and would berate her team. She wanted to hold them down with her thumb. So, of course, they started falling off and leaving. The whole point of that is I made sure to keep my happy. So I left and went somewhere else. And I took five people with me, gave them more money, happiness, and kept them with that same line of security I was giving. So you guys, if people aren't protecting you, loving on you, giving you kindness, feeding you with beautiful words, but instead they're berating you, but they want to hold on to you. They're telling you they love you, but they're showing you everything but. They got their thumb on you. They got their foot on your neck. They're looking at you through a dark colored lens. There's no rose colored lenses anymore. Make sure you make your happy happy. Don't fake it till you can make it. You're happy for you. You're going to live your life for you. If you got kids, especially for your kids. Our kids see everything. They absorb it. They feel it. They're a product of you. Don't do them like that. Even if you don't love yourself enough to walk away and make changes, you do it for them. I've spoken enough about generational curses and, and, and things being passed down to our kids. If you don't want to live your life for you and you have kids, you live your life for your kids. You don't want to live your life for you and you have siblings that love you with agape love, you live your life for them then. You don't want to live your life for you, but you have parents who love you. You live your life for them. But live your life and don't live it faking happy. Live it in genuine happiness. All right, you guys. I, I don't even know why I spoke on this topic, but you make your happy happy. <laughs> have a beautiful day. Um, my website is still being worked on, so keep looking at it. It's www.ledbymotivation.com. If it comes up with a four, that means the guy's still working on it. Uh, the email address is Sonya, S-O-N-Y-A dot McQueen, M-C-Q-U-E-E-N-6-9 at Outlook.com. That's Sonya dot McQueen 69, the year I was born, at Outlook.com. Have a beautiful day, everybody, and make happy happen.